I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. Gary cannot be here today because he's at hockey camp. And speaking of hockey camp, we've got a hockey camp guy, a hockey director. Our special guest today is Shannon Schmidt. Shannon, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jay. It's an honor to be here. I don't know why I emphasize your last name like that. Yeah, but right. uh, uh, I'm not, I think this is, up. what did we say, 29? This is episode 29. Right on. you got to say that at the beginning of the podcast. It's yeah. in the unwritten rules. <laughs> so Shannon is currently, you are the hockey director. And you're based out of Steiner. Yeah, Salt Lake City Sports Complex. Salt Lake AKA. Is that what it's really supposed to be called? That's the official title is Salt Lake City Sports Complex. Okay. That's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's we they they all have real names, and every hockey player yeah. here knows we don't call any of them by their real names, because right. Murray is actually county. County Ice Center. Acor goes by the actual name. Is that what it's actually called? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not... Okay. Well, perfect. Yeah. We got one right. <laughs> okay. Um... So, Shannon, you're the hockey director. You are the program director for all the hockey that goes through Steiner. And that's yes. quite a bit because you have a double sheet. Correct. So you yeah. get all that stuff. And then you're also like this huge proponent. Like you're, you're the guy behind the Lady Lightning. Is that I, right? I have been, yes. That's been my uh, my big torch for the last seven or eight years or now. Or have, so, you, so. have you kind of handed that torch off a little bit? I completely handed it off. Okay. So we'll get into that. Yeah. But, but first, I want to know... Um, tell us, you're not from here. No, I, I grew up in a town called Yarmouth, Maine. It's just north of Portland, about 10 miles. Okay, so yeah. is that why you're always posting stuff about the New England Patriots? I'm a diehard Pats fan. Ever since uh, the Bears wailed on him in 1984, I've been a Pats guy. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's forgivable because you're from there. Right. And I only became a fan when they started winning all the championships, <laughs> and I realized how bad it would make all their, like, the rest of the firefighters hate the New England Patriots. And as, as they start, because they win all the games. So I started becoming, like, I always talk about how Tom Brady's the greatest. But I don't really know, because I watch, like, one football game a year. Yeah. If if that. A lot of times I don't even watch the Super Bowl. But, uh, I mean, that's good that you're, you're yeah. a fan. Phil Snyder's been a lifetime Patriots fan, too. Right on. So you, you guys it's, have it's that It's a come. good time to be a Pats fan. Um, so h- how do you go from... Yarmouth. Is that what it was? Yeah, Yarmouth, Maine. How do you go from Yarmouth to Salt Lake City? Um, I attended BYU. I moved out here from uh, from Maine to go to BYU. So that's what got me here. Um, Right about the time I was graduating was when the uh, Olympics were being announced. Oh, okay. And I was, you know, a typical lost kid coming out of college, not sure what I was going to do. I originally thought I was going to get into law enforcement and uh, was working at BYU police and was coaching at the local uh, youth organization. It was called Taha at the time, Taha, uh, Timpanogos Amateur Hockey Association. And I love coaching. Uh, the Peaks was being built, and I said, well, why can't I do hockey for a living? So were you a hockey player growing up? I was, absolutely. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 
So what type, what age did you start playing? I believe I was six or seven years old. Okay. Yeah. I think I had one year of mites, what I can remember. And then so. you played travel hockey? I never played travel hockey. Because you didn't need it as much being in a hockey area. Uh, yes and no. I mean, growing up in Maine, I, I basically played September through March one game and one practice a week. There was very little summer hockey back then. Um, I played what, was, what we know is called house league. That was my thing. Um, I did try out for one travel team, and that was a difficult experience. And that experience is really is one of the building blocks of how I run my hockey programs now. So, Okay. Um, so what was difficult yeah. about the experience? Well, it, I was trying out for a travel team, and we had two travel teams. We had an A and a B, just pretty typical. I think I was a peewee, and I believe there were 32 kids trying out, and they were going to take 28, and uh, I was one of the four that didn't make it. And I was convinced, and most of the folks that were around me, that I was going to get a spot on one of the teams, and I didn't. Okay. And they ended up just taking all the returning players, the kids that were either coming up or, or staying. Right. And so it was back to the house league for me. So that, that was tough. That was, uh, yeah. that was tough. That was the first time I, I had learned about politics in hockey. Right. So, but, you know, looking back now, it was difficult, but it was, it was a good lesson to learn. It, I, I'm actually grateful that it happened. I often wonder what would have happened if I had made that travel team and, and got to play more often. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a good experience, and I, I look back on it and as, a, as a building block for, of what I do now. So. Oh, that's cool. I, yeah. I mean, that's how we become who we are. So those Life lessons, right? right? Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. What's, uh, did you play hockey at BYU? I did. Okay. I did. I knew that. But I yeah. Just, so tell I, me about that experience. Tell me about, because I, I know the other side of it yeah. as a, you know, as a Weber guy. And right. Then, so tell me about your experience at BYU. Well, that, w- that was 1994, and at the time, it was not a BYU team. We were actually called the Provo Ice Cats. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and there hadn't been a BYU hockey-related program since sometime in the 70s. And so we were just starting up a club team. Um, BYU wouldn't recognize us, so we, we took on the name Provo Ice Cats, and we played at the uh, old Utah Lake State Park outdoor. Yeah. <laughs> Did you play at Weber at the time? Yes, did, I did. We probably played against each other. We did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. And we had, so, and I've got some very vivid memories of playing there. In fact, yeah. um, a lot of the only games I can remember from my time at Weber have to do directly with uh, some of those games there. Like, getting, I, I remember, you know, arriving and going to get dressed, and now you're in the you're in the like the show and tell area of what fish are being fished out of there yep. and they've just roped off this little like greeting area like the visitor center right yeah. is that what we were going to dress that yeah you're addressing the visitor center we were addressing over in the maintenance shack oh. and <laughs> driving over with our gear on and then putting our skates on around the little fire that was you know oh, really? fire pit that was out there before you you got on the ice so so i remember and do you know john keekel do you remember john keekel at all i I'm sorry, I can't remember. No, he's a you know. he's a colorful person. He's yeah. very uh, he's he's good with his language. He likes to incite people, and he's always been funny. Yep. And I just remember him saying some certain certain things, and fans jumping on him about like I think he swore once, and we had a guy named Todd Nate, and Todd had sw- he yep. he would swear on the ice, and then you were so close to the fans, they were le- literally leaning over the glass. They were, and the the funniest one of my. The other memories besides getting dressed and learning what a walleye pike was or whatever, like, <laughs> you know, because literally that, my stall, it, right. it's a bench in front of the glass where yeah. all the fish are pinned, and this is what you can pull out of Utah Lake. Yeah. Uh, Casey Norris scored a goal, okay. and 
raised his hand to celebrate and was in the corner with his hands up like this. And fans grabbed his gloves off his hands. Did they really? He never got him back. He never got him back. I don't, like there was, we didn't. I had really to have been have in that security. game. I remember that. You had to have been. But yeah. yeah. And it was just one of those things where, and I remember having to wear the black stuff under my yeah, eyes. I started that. Oh, really? Yeah. The first Saturday, we played on Saturday mornings. So obviously it was very bright out. So oh. yeah, we used to put hockey tape underneath our eyes and go out. And uh, yeah, yeah, it helped. So, because I was at Weber the first year they had a team, I just played. I played, I think three years there. And then, yeah, uh, graduated from there, and then went, then I played a year at the U. Okay. So it was yeah, kind of I, kind of fun. So we played against each other a bunch in those yeah. years. I played just two years, the 95, 94, 95, 95, 96. So huh. then I was graduated. So oh, cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, they used to take the bleachers uh, and actually they turned them around. So the top end was next to the glass, and the low end was out towards the the lake or or somewhere else. So yeah, they were literally the fans were literally with their heads on the top of that glass level. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I mean, they were right involved in the in the game and yelling and chirping yeah. the whole time. Oh, I remember a Utah State fan giving me a whole bunch of garbage, and I had a nice little high clearing pass and got their attention. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never had that kind of control of the puck. I was always lucky if it went where I well, it's still. I can't control the puck, so I, I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't pick off fans if I wanted to. Uh, okay, so you play at BYU, yeah. and now they're building uh, Seven Peaks out there. Do right. you you get a job there? Yeah. And what do you do there? I part-time Zamboni driver, really? night supervisor. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get the first full-time hockey director job. They gave it to somebody else. So I was on there part-time, down in the trenches, driving the ZAM, supervising the building at night. Yeah. Yeah. But that also probably, like not making the team the first time, but kind of yeah, getting in there and doing the dirty work, you learn a lot more. It prepares you more for what you do now, right? Yeah, I hate to say it. I worked the hockey director out of his job. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, that's Well, perfect. hey, if he wasn't doing a good job, somebody had to step in and do it, right? Right. So. There you go. So, yeah. that, so you... That was your first hockey director job was in yeah, Peaks? Yeah, it was at the Peaks. And how long were you out there? Oh, a year and a half, two years at the most. And then yeah. you've been at Steiner ever since? I've been uh, at the Sports Scott Complex. Lake City Sports, sports Complex? C- yep. <laughs> ever since? December 2000, 2000, actually. Yep, December 2000. Wow. Yeah. Coming up on your 20. I can't believe it. It's gone by so fast. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, fa- it's crazy how fast you can... Just grow old. <laughs> yeah. People look at me like I'm crazy. You've been working the same job for almost 20 years. Well, I've got the best, what I think is the best hockey job in the state. Yeah. Where else am I going to go? Right. You know? So tell us all, what does your job include? What, yeah. do you, what do you do? So the primary responsibilities is Salt Lake County Youth Hockey, the House League, and the Salt Lake Lightning Travel Program, and Learn to Play Hockey. Those are my big three. I also run the county summer high school league that's currently running. Oh, yeah. And I manage that little pro shop down in the bottom. That's kind of the side job. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of a hobby, I call it. Yeah. It's fun. It's never open when I'm there. It's open at night most of the time. Okay. So, yeah. So, t- tell us a little bit. Um, I want to hear stories because I know you have to be involved with some of the discipline and help. Yeah. And, and that includes with coaches. But right. first, I want to start about uh, – did you start the Lady Lightning, or where did that come from? I did. So the the back history on that was I, I actually was coaching Learn to Skate as part of my job. We needed a hockey instructor, so I had filled in for the summer. And I had these four little girls in my Learn to Skate class. 
Uh, they were, well, I can remember three of the names. Three of them, they were Sarah Cahill, Riley Stout, and Alice Peterson. Oh. So I had those three girls in my learn to play, learn to skate class, and I was just working with them for six weeks, and I, I just fell in love with those three girls. I mean, they were just the best. And I also had, at the time, yeah, my, my older daughter, Emma, I think she was four or five, and she was starting to get into hockey too. And uh, so I had those girls, and I was over refereeing a hockey game at the, at the uh, Maverick Center. And it was a Lady Grizzly game versus somebody else, and I was really impressed by the players. I mean, these girls could play. And I was between periods, I was talking to Diane Marietti, whose family at the time was running the Lady Grizzlies. So why, why shouldn't I start a, a girls program? I've got all these girls in the county. I mean, there were probably 30 girls in the county. Um, why don't we start a younger girls program? And so that, that's what kicked it off, was those three little girls and all the other girls in the county. Okay, so yeah. and with, with, the, with the normal lightning, the, the kind of the focus is um, transitioning players from – tell me if I'm getting this right. So you, you, the lightning's purpose right now is to trans, transition people from uh, recreational or house league yeah. into getting them more ready for travel team hockey. You're, you're A, and then you're getting them ready for double A. Is that – what your kind of mission statement is with regular lightning? Yeah, it's I call it entry level travel hockey. It's, it's a bridge between a high end, high expensive program and a rec league. And is that yeah. what, is that the same goal with the lady lightning? Is that your initially? That's that was it. Yeah, was okay. to train them up so that they could play at whatever level they wanted to try and get to. Yeah. And since then, we now last year. Yep. So basically, I guess it's the summer. You guys make a change? What's, so what's going on with the program now? Yeah, so basically the Lady Lightning and the Utah Lady Grizzlies have combined to create one girls hockey organization in the state. Um, so what, what age groups do you guys have and what level are you going to be playing at? Yeah, so the way things are right now this summer, we're going to be running a 19 AA team, a 19 uh, travel team, a 14 travel team and a 12, a 12, a 12, a 12, a 12, a 12 travel team. Okay. So, yeah. So we're looking at four teams this year. Wow. Yeah. That's it's up a, one girls team from last year. And how which is, is great? How so. is it looking so far? Like, have you guys had tryouts or anything yet? We had tryouts in early June, so we could get ahead of the recruiting process. Right. So we've got the teams set. We just hopefully they all stick. And you, the you had the number. You had the numbers to fill all those teams. Mo- yeah, mostly. That's awesome. That's yeah, the double so awesome. A team is full. The nineteen travel could use a few more. The fourteen travel is nearly full, and we're always looking good for twelve U girls too. Okay, good ones, ones that are ready to play at a at a higher level. So, and where are the so? How many practices are you going to have a week, and and where are these girls going to be playing? And what turn like just tournaments all over the West? Yeah, for the most part, two to three practices a week. Uh, Chris McPhee is running the AA program, so he's a little more versed on where that they're going to they're going to be playing. But the travel teams will be playing Intermountain West, uh, you know, your your Jacksons, your Vegas, some Colorado trips, things like that. So, oh, so much yeah. fun, man! Yeah. So much fun. That's so cool that you guys have that, and I think it's a a huge opportunity. Yeah, and uh, it, we're seeing the benefits, and obviously with Sarah Cahill's playing at college, and we have all these <laughs> yeah. we have these other females that are. Coming through and getting opportunities that maybe weren't afforded to them before, and uh, it's yeah. it's awesome that you guys put in that work. And I've always been um, in awe of it and, and a supporter of it. I've seen like, and in my age realm, when I first started coaching, one of the first girl goalies I got to coach 
was Cami Cote mm. or Cody or however they say it. Different, yeah. different depending on which kid you talk to. Yeah. She went on to play D1 at Vermont. Right. And not yeah. only did she play D1 at Vermont, <clears throat> but she's in their Hall of Fame and she set all kinds of NCAA records and should have been. I don't know if you're paying attention to speaking of politics back then. Mm. She should have been our Olympic goaltender. Really? Like she was the best goalie in women's hockey and setting, like I said, setting NCAA records yeah. and basically was just the USA hockey program was just going with what they had. Yep. And she was clearly a better choice. Oh, I, I remember her. She was playing for a Hillcrest, and I was coaching Timpanogos High School. And she was the only reason we didn't put 15 goals in on them. I, I had Jeremy Weiss playing for me at that time. Oh, that yeah. kid could score from anywhere on the ice. But she uh, she gave him quite the uh, quite yeah. the challenge. So Yeah, yeah. She, phenomenal goaltender. And then she, she even went on to coach at North Dakota. She, yeah. she ended up coaching their program. So she's like our first – that I know of, first female that went through and really started breaking down barriers. Yeah. And it was cool as a guy that just c- kind of helped coach her or uh, just be around, just watching her just catch fire and just tear down those walls. Right. And then I think other, like she would come back and I'd have her work my goalie or my hockey camp every year. And uh, she was phenomenal. Yeah. And she was so good with the girls and she inspired all these other girls that were there. And those girls that were inspired found they had opportunities that you were providing. Right. And now we're seeing that pay off in this, like maybe the second wave, maybe it's the third wave. I don't know, but it's we, we've got five, six girls right now playing NCAA hockey. Yep, we do. And and numerous girls at prep schools as well. Right. So anybody know where Cami Cody is these days? We could use her. Cami Cody <laughs> is a special needs PE teacher. Is she really? And she was. Uh, she just. Uh, yeah, she had twins, I believe, and then she she was yeah she's phenomenal. So yeah. she's still out there working she's, with the kids. Okay, my wife's a special needs teacher, and Cammy was the the PE teacher at her school. Oh, cool! And so I got to go see her every once in a while. I'm just such a huge fan of hers. Yeah, and she was she has an exercise physiology degree or something like that. I can't remember exactly right. what it is, but man, when she comes in and works with the kids, and you know she has. Obviously, she specializes in special needs, which I think kind of translates perfectly into hockey players. And uh, she just has that special patience that you need for those kids that don't have that governor in their head yet. Like, they'll go, you tell them to run two laps. And it's not a hard two laps. It's a warm-up. And they already have kids trying to quit. And Cammy was one that could. She could keep them going. She could keep them motivated. Yeah. And that was my biggest thing in camp. When I'd get my, my kids together, my counselors together before camp, I'd say, okay, Camp this week, our focus is keeping the passion for the game alive in these kids because mm-hmm. it gets hammered out of these kids, and you have kids drop out of hockey, it does. and I hate to see that. So Cammie was a huge part of that. She was she would make them work out, and sometimes the kids didn't even realize how hard they were working because she was so good at her job. Yeah. But, yeah, she's uh, she's around. You just I would yeah. – if I were in your guys' shoes and I, I had girl goalies or girl hockey players – We do. I would be reaching out to her. Blast and, from the past. Yeah, yeah bring her, <laughs> bring her out with her with her resume. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so that's cool about the Lady Lightning. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really excited to see what's going on and uh, how this, how the new. It, it's cool to see cooperation. You right. know, it's, yeah. So who was it that kind of brought this about? Uh, it, it was me. I hate to take credit for it, but it was me. I've been running Lady Lightning for, uh, gosh, I'm starting to forget now, seven years or so. Yeah. With moderate growth. I mean, every year it was, what team are we going to have? Are we going to have it? Are we not? You know. And so it just kind of finally reached a point where um, 
I thought it would, we would be better served, girls hockey in this state would be better served if we put one organization together. And that's why I reached out to them this year. So, And I'm glad that I did. And who so, did you reach out to? Uh, I reached out to Derek Radke and Steve Brown okay, and Eric LaPearl. Those are the guys that have been running Lady Grizzlies the last few years. And so we just kind of got together and, and decided to merge the program. You know, one of the things was I, I, I wanted to stay heavily involved. So fortunately, I'm, I'm on the board of the Utah Lady Grizzlies, so I do steer, still get to steer the ship, uh, as you know, so, and, that, and that's a good thing. I thought that was very important that I stayed involved. I just didn't want to turn the keys over and hopefully the car didn't get run yeah. into, a, into a telephone pole. It's hard to just give up your baby. It, it, it is. So, yeah. you know, some folks give me, uh, gave me some garbage about um, not pushing harder for a complete name change. Um, but okay. at the end of the day, we felt like the, the existing Lady Grizzlies name had enough staying power that we should just keep it. Okay. So yeah. and th- so that's what it is, Lady Grizzlies? It's the Utah Lady Grizzlies. And okay. we're not associated with the Utah Junior Grizzlies. Okay. A lot of folks get that a little bit mixed up and confused. So. Yeah, I think yeah. I actually got that confused. Yeah, a lot of people do. So. Well, now you've cleared it up. Cleared it up. All right. Um, and that's very cool, and, and, yeah. and I'm excited to see it. Cause it and I've brought this up before. I know that in the past, like with the Lady Grizzlies, you'd see that they'd have like uh, I remember one of my goalies, uh, Sierra, was Sierra Hodge. Yeah, Sierra yeah. Hodge was playing, and I think she was like thirteen, fourteen, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the team was like nineteen, and there was like yeah. there was this huge disparity. Like that's 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 huge. You're putting a thirteen year old girl on goal, yeah. and so it's good to see that you guys have it's it's coming. It's it's yeah. it's. It's going in the right direction, and we're gonna we're gonna see hopefully more success and these girls playing and being awesome. Yeah. So, but that's not all you do. You you also do. Um, you're talking about the high school hockey. Yeah. And that's got to be. I just saw a video. So obviously, <laughs> people send all kinds of stuff to me lately. Yeah. And high school hockey is such a testosterone filled. Yep. Um, gong show a lot of the times. It, there's a big skill difference between a lot of the players. Right. Huge. And it's fun to watch, but you'll see a kid that's maybe never played hockey or maybe has a year of hockey under their belt, and maybe they've seen something on TV or they come up with some move in their mind, some mm-hmm. cheap shot, or maybe they just become overwhelmed, right? overcome with emotion. And since I've been hosting the show, I've gotten 10, 12 videos of, yeah. of things. I, and I won't, I don't post them. Right. I, I don't... I don't I don't want to bring that out, but it's amazing to me to see some of the cheap shots. Yeah. And the one I'm currently dealing with. I wonder if that's the same one I'm talking about. Probably. And unbelievable. Yeah, um, it is. So I'm, I'm going to describe it a little bit. You tell me if it's the same one. I'm not going to use any names of any teams or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I need to be careful because I'm still dealing with the discipline on it. So, But, yeah, we can talk about it. Okay. I don't, yeah, and yeah. I, like I said, I don't want to compromise anything, right. but I want to talk about um, – so you've got kids that are just getting into hockey, and what the video I saw, we had you have a kid that you know they're they're mucking it up in front of the net. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. one kid goes, uh, if I if I remember right, he then he goes to the corner, and the the play kind of goes away, and the kid's still he's at midboard, and he's facing up ice, mm-hmm. and the kid that he was kind of mucking it up with in the crease comes from the crease, right, and gives a cross check right to the basically the st- the brain stem. Yeah, on the kid, and it, from what I understand, there was actually some pretty significant damage done to the kid. Yeah, it turned out later that we found out that he received uh, twenty-two stitches across the eyebrow oh. and some shoulder damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That came out a little later. 
Yeah, so, so I mean, that's significant. Yeah. And it is. When it, you see that play, it's significant. So, how, I don't, and okay, let's go away from the, you, this exact play. Yeah. But what I want to know is how do we help, th- one, that's a, that's a horrible play. But two, this is our opportunity to work with this kid that's the offender. Mm-hmm. And I know in, in my age group, in my day, we had a few players that received, they, they did something crazy and stupid like that. Right. And, I mean, it, there's just no place in the game for that. Correct. And they got lifetime bans. But there, I mean, there's yep. other discipline. There's another way to, do we chase that kid out of hockey? Or do we right. realize that this is, or I, I don't know what's right or wrong. What do you do? How do you approach that? Yeah, well, in this particular instance, there is absolutely no room in our game for that kind of stuff. Right. Especially now in a day of lawyers and insurance and all that kind of stuff. That's scary stuff. And, and USA Hockey is trying to get that out of the game. Yeah. I mean, they really are. And I think they're making strides, but it comes down to enforcement. Whether, you know, you can debate that incident, whether the proper penalty was called or not. And that's that's for, I guess, another discussion. But that even, stuff can't I don't be, even know what penalty was called. That part yeah. wasn't sent to me. What was called? Yeah, so in that, it was just a game misconduct. Either, it was either cross-checking or head contact. I, I'd have to look at the score sheet again. So wow. that, in that incident, the kid only received a one-game suspension. Wow. So, and that's where the controversy is starting to brew up over it. Okay. Yeah. Because clearly what I saw was... But again, maybe the refs didn't see it. You're, the refs here are overwhelmed. Yeah, and if you look at if if anyone does watch that video, note where the puck is when the actual incident right. occurs. It's not where the incident is. Right. So there's a good chance that the officials saw that not on full vision, maybe at the at the corner of their eye. Yeah. So it, it, it's really easy to ref blame and officiate from the bleachers and the bench because obviously when you're in the bleachers, you see everything. Well, you don't know what the official does and doesn't see. It's a high school so. game, so you have one ref. Yep. Two, well, two, well, two refs. Uh, oh, They're, so it's a two-man system. It's a two-man in, in so summer not, high school. So Okay, so yeah. it's it's there's only two officials on the ice. Right. So that's even worse than what I was thinking it was. And by yeah. worse, I just mean there are less eyes watching. We know that, that syst- the two-man system can work. Yep. Especially, like in my men's league, yeah. two are fine. Right. Like, we don't care. We just... Like offsides, and maybe every once in a while somebody gets a stick in the face or whatever. But yeah. our guys, I, I, it seems like at the Division One level, there's a lot less to be called. But at the high school level, maybe the two man system yeah. is just overwhelming. But I will say, at your level, those officials need to be on their ball. Well, yeah, because you know high level players know how to get away with stuff. That's true. And they too. can keep it pretty subtle. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. <laughs> um, but again, most of us know each other pretty well too. Right. And if you get away with something now, you'll get it later. And then most guys. You're on the same. You're a different team on Sunday, but you're on the same team on Wednesday, and the guys are. It seems like it's pretty. It works itself out, right? Right. But so okay. So getting back to it, we yeah. have a ref that's maybe didn't see it, and you don't even have a third linesman on the ice to catch it either. So correct. So I, I didn't know it only got called yeah. game misconduct, right? Um, and the two officials did debate the call for several minutes after the player left the ice. Okay. So I'm not saying that right or wrong on that, but they, they did give it some thought. They just didn't report a penalty and let's drop the puck and let's keep going. They did think about it for a while. Okay. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, man, there's nothing you can do if you didn't see it. Yeah. Or if you saw it out of the corner of your eye or just the, the last part of it. But it, again, that was a, to me, that was a clear cross check to, yeah. Like an intent to injure cross check. That's a, so, okay. So it's up for review. Yep. And again, we'll go away from this specific case but you say usa hockey wants that out of the game they want it out of the game everybody wants it out of the game so what do we do how do we send the message for that 
how do we get that out of the game? Enforcement. All right. So you know, USA Hockey spends a lot of time trying to train their officials. Yeah. And I guess if I have one criticism officiating countrywide, nationwide, is, is maybe the training isn't as thorough as it could be. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure USA Hockey is working on that. But it's hard to train all these independent hockey associations, referee associations, on total rule enforcement. Right. You know, so enforcement is, is the key. And as a league administrator, I can only do so much with that. You know, it's really not my responsibility to try and change the player. I just have to enforce the rules the best I can. So, you know, at the end of the day, the player makes the conscious decision to go after somebody else. Right. It's his decision. Well, I totally get that. And in, in the past, I would I, – I, I don't know. I just wonder, is so is that kid going to get – it was called a game misconduct. Now it's up for review. That right. kid's going to get supplemental discipline, right? Most Yes. He has already been assisi- issued some supplemental discipline. But it may go a little further. Okay. So that's, I don't want to go too – that's where I am this morning with it, actually. <laughs> All right. So let, let's get – I want to get off this specific right. case. What does it take to get a kid suspended for a season? What does it take to get a kid kicked out of hockey completely? Have you seen a guy get a, a lifetime USA ban or a, or a year-long USA ban lately? I've seen an adult, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head on a player. I know there's been a couple. They've been out of my direct realm, so I'm probably – I'm not as familiar as as I could be, I guess, if it was a high school kid. But I think there was a high school kid that got a got a significant suspension recently. Okay, but I, I can't rem- say I, I can't remember Jay. But I remember an adult player that's he was banned from the county program forever. Really? Yeah. So what? It, it, it was bad. He uh, it, it was a baseball swing to somebody's head. Judas knocked Priest. him out. Yeah, so it was assault. Know. Yeah, and he was prosecuted. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. This was, gosh, 2001, 2002, long time ago. Was that on Trevor's dad? Uh, yeah. Okay. That was. <laughs> yeah, all right. That, okay. Yeah, that, that was, was Trevor's dad. That, that was on Randy. That was on Randy. Randy wasn't the offender. Correct. And I know exactly who you're talking about. Yep. Okay, and that was he was actually one of the best players in my age group. He was a fantastic yep. player. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. I saw him at the bowling alley. <laughs> Not too long ago. That's yeah. his thing now. So, yeah, yeah, that's horrible. Okay. That was like one of the only lifetime bands I knew about. I know of a guy that I play with currently that got a year and a half for uh, choking out a ref. Yeah, I remember that one. Yep. And yep. honestly, and, and I'm going to say I'm good friends with this guy. And his brother is one of my right. life, lifetime best friends. Yep. And I still think he should have got a lifetime ban for it. I you think, think he got, so, huh? I think he got off easy. Yeah. I don't think you ever go hands-on with a ref. I don't care. I, I don't care. And I've lost my temper a thousand times. And, well, maybe not a thousand times. I'm right. actually pretty even kill, I think. But um, I, I just think that there's a line that once you cross it, you probably shouldn't come back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's an adult, another adult guy that was, was banned for a year from the county program for something very similar last year. Okay. Yeah. He shoved an official. It's crazy, man. It, yep. It's just crazy. I don't know why I'm going down this path. I don't you. know. I just, right? I guess it's just more be- positive here. I guess it's because you're always there, and you get, <laughs> right? you get to see so much stuff, of it. and you get to hear the behind-the-scenes stuff. And because you've been a, an official, you've ran <laughs> leagues, you've done all this stuff. I, I never had the guts to become an official, and we're so short on right. officials right now. We need people oh. that, that, number one, can skate, um, number two, know the game. So we need more players to transition yep. into being refs. Yeah. And do you think, with you wanted to be a cop before? Do you think yeah. that kind of helped you want to get into refing and 
At the time, I was playing for a men's league team down in Provo. I think it was the BYU team in the summer. We were playing in Brickley's League. Right. And Rob Fellows was one of the officials, and I just thought he was the coolest guy. He is a coolest he guy. He's a cool dude. Yeah. And I wanted to be like Rob. I thought, all right, I can do this. Rob can do it. I can do it. And yeah. So that's what got me into officiating. It wasn't because I wanted to get in law enforcement. I just thought Rob Fellows was a cool dude. And How come we can't all this. be like Rob Fellows? How all can right. we... How many refs want to be like Rob? His name's come up on the program a few Has times. He? Yeah. But nobody hates Rob Fellows. No. You can officiate that long and still, like, he was just so mellow on the ice and yep. he always had good control of the game. He did. And he just was so nonchalant about stuff. Everybody loved Rob Fellows. Yeah. And he, he could kick you, he could give you a five minute major, kick you out of the game, and you'd be like, hey, thanks, Rob. Okay, yeah, I'll, see, I'll see you after I serve my suspension. You'd still feel good about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> right. What a great guy to be behind. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, these guys are overworked right now. Absolutely. They are. We're losing officials. Yeah. And my high school league this year is 223-something games. Wow. You know, and then plus plus Matt's league. Yeah. That's running. Plus uh, the county adult league. Yeah. There's there's four or five games a night. Yeah. At least. Plus the oval. And these guys are working six, seven games a week. So... It's tough. They get burned out. They get tired. They get sick and tired of people. Absolutely. How could you not? How could you not? Well, ballpark me what a ref makes per game. I'm I'm pulling this out of my backside. So an adult an adult two man is forty bucks. Okay. Forty five bucks. High school is pretty similar. All right. Yeah. I mean, mean, you can make a couple hundred bucks a night if you you can make some decent money. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we need. We need more people that are. If you're thinking about becoming an official. Right now is the time. I mean, the call is out there. The call is out there. At yeah. all ages. Yeah. Not cool. just not high school and adult. It's, it's mites and squirts and peewees. We need, we need kids. If you want to learn patience <laughs> and check your abilities, yep. become an official. Yeah. Well, it really bothers me when these rec coaches are, are, are doing a county game or, or a lightning game, and they've got kid referees out there, and they're giving them all kinds of garbage. I, that's just not acceptable in my, I agree. In my view. Yeah. I, you know. I saw that a little bit with my son. My son only played one year of rec, and I think he was six. And I, I remember his his, uh, his one of his coaches lighting up an official for like a missed offside or something. In a white game, who cares? Right. Like the kids are. I don't even care who wins or loses. Do you remember now who won or lost? It doesn't matter. Like what right. matters is the kids are having fun. Yeah. And par- and parents, coaches, refs, everybody's got to keep that in mind. We got to make sure we're out there. And that the game is fun, and that the kids are having fun, and that the kids want to go back to the rink the next day. Right. And that's, I mean, that's, it's hard, hard to remember at all times because you get caught up in the little things. Yeah. I will say well, these incidents happen, but they are they're in the minority. Yeah. I mean, overall, the game is in good shape, and it's a very positive experience for everyone involved. But it's still- every once in a while, this stuff crops up and it causes problems, and people talk about it a lot, and. Sometimes it leaves a negative stereotype on the game, but for and the most shouldn't. part, it's it's a great it's a great sport. It's a great game, and that's the reason I don't share it's it on our, on our website. Is I don't want yeah. people to think that that's what's going on with hockey right now. Yeah, I don't care what sport you talk. about. My, my son plays soccer, and there are I've seen more cheap shots mm-hmm. in soccer. You know the tackles from behind, not maybe not more, but equal. Right, right. There's equal basketball. My girl played basketball, and I saw lots of cheap shots there, too, yeah. amongst girls. So it happens in sports. It happens when you have anybody competing against anybody. It happens in the fire department when we get together to play <laughs> basketball or soccer. It happens at church ball. Right. Right? Uh, church ball is going to the Supreme Court there's now a case, for something. Yeah. Right. There's a case pending right now, Utah State Supreme Court, about some injury that happened in a church ball game. It happens. <laughs> but I, I can tell you, without being able to play hockey three or four times a week, yeah. I would not be sane. 
and like I have to go out and I have to be able to play the game and yeah. I that is my event that is my yoga that is my zen and I think it's that way for I don't know 12,000 people that live in Utah right and I think and so it's but it's pretty safe every once in a while something's going to happen to ruin your zen garden yep. somebody's going to not realize their place or the limit of the day yep. or accidentally stick you in the face or purposely stick you in the face but right. don't let it ruin your I mean just come back the next day yeah with your new stitches all right that's what happens <laughs> new stitches all right so um you say the game is growing you say the game's in, in good shape uh how how, you, how have you seen it grow like tell me about how many high school hockey teams do you see now and do you see more coming do you think yeah well i think we all know that high school hockey is not as big as it used to be Right. Back in the mid '90s, early to mid 2000s, it was it was 40 something teams. Okay. Um, so the problem, the, the the big challenge high school has right now are charter schools, and they're trying to figure out how to split all these charter school kids up and get them on teams. And it's making the existing high school teams smaller and smaller and more difficult to form new ones. I'm I'm currently working with Highland. Uh, my daughter goes to Highland, and we're trying to get a team together, but the numbers are just barely hanging on. And so that's the big challenge there is trying to get the kids put in the right spot. So, okay, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it's crazy because you see that. I mean, when you try to get ice time, there's no ice time. There's no ice. Like everything, <laughs> yeah. everything's booked up, and it seems like it's mostly hockey. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, there are some other things that go on on the ice that, yep. and you know, uh, it just seems to me like we're at a spot, and we keep hearing maybe there's going to be another sheet added at Murray or right. or whatever, and I, I hope there is, and um. I'm, I'm for sheets at every high school. That would be unreal. Right. I mean, I want as many as possible. That's I think the more ice we have, the more more hockey players we have. Yeah, I had a sheet in my hometown. It was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet, man. <clears throat> I, I got to tell you, it's just when I was when I started playing in Utah, there were two spots. We had um, Bountiful. Oh, well, we had Bountiful and Cottonwood, and Hygieia had yeah, burned Hygieia. down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hygieia had burned down. So it, it's uh, you know I had Friday night practice. Nine o'clock. I had one practice a week, one game a week. Yep. And then when I I, I moved away for a few months, uh, and I went to a school that had a rink on campus, and man, it was amazing. Yeah. Because I had seen it in Youngblood that you could go on the ice and take shots by yourself. Yeah. And you know, you <laughs> that's the only time I'd ever seen it. You could you could go out and you could work on the game by yourself and take shots. And I had, you never had that opportunity here right. in Utah. But now you can kind of if you go out to the stick and pucks. Yep. Um, We're getting more of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Shannon, I, I just think it's amazing how much you have done in for hockey since you've been involved in hockey. And you've been involved in hockey in Utah about the same amount of time I've been here. Yeah. And you've done so much. And it just makes me feel like I should have done more. Oh. Like, I just think it's awesome. And uh, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done. And as as a father of uh, of a female athlete, mm-hmm. I, I got to... I always got to reach out and thank the guys that have put in the time and created opportunities for the girls because, I mean, my daughter's reaping the full reward of being a female athlete right now. Right. And I just think it's awesome. And these girls that are that are doing it, I hope they appreciate it, and I hope the parents appreciate what you've done. Yeah. Uh, do you have – I'm going to ask you a few questions. Yeah. And if you don't have anything off the top of your head, that's fine. This isn't an entry-level test to get, okay. your, <laughs> to get your county job. Right. Um do you have a cr- like the craziest story that you can think of? I get this all the time as a firefighter, and okay. it was easy to answer to answer five years into the job. But yep. now that I've been in the job for twenty two years, I can't answer this question. But 
can you tell me like what what is one of the craziest memories you have as a ref or as a ref uh, yeah, okay. I remember I was doing a game at the Maverick Center. It was a Wamaha Cobras game back when they were called the Cobras. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And I think it was a Stars game. It was a peewee game. And first period was fine. The second period got absolutely out of hand. It was crazy. And play went down the ice. Uh, two kids were behind me. I hear some commotion. I turn around, and when a player's laying on the ice, and another player's on top of him with two hands on a stick, just giving him the tomahawk chop Whoa. across the back. He got three in before I grabbed this kid, and luckily it was by the penalty box. I, I grabbed this kid, I shoved him, opened the door, and I just shoved him in the penalty box. <laughs> At the time, that's all I felt like I could do to stop what was going on. Right. Right? And... Uh, Assessed a match penalty, which is at the time, or was probably a gross misconduct at the time, I don't remember what it's called, which is the most severe that an official can uh, assess on the ice. Yeah. So I gave him a match, and I found out three days later he was playing again. Wow. I had a kangaroo court yeah. on that one, and because it was playoff time. Oh, yeah. The kid was playing again. So oh. anyway, I did my part. Yeah. So. That is pretty That's crazy. That's probably my craziest officiating story. All right. And my, yeah. my next question would be. <laughs> If you could go back and tell 20-year-old Shannon Smith some advice, <laughs> what would it be? What would you tell yourself? What would I tell myself? Yeah. I'd go back even further with the same advice. Okay. Stay out of the penalty box. Stay out of the penalty <laughs> Stay box. Stay out of the penalty box. That's pretty good advice for everybody. It is great advice. So. Okay. It, it You know, hockey is an emotional support. It's an emotional sport. And I think it's both. It's it, emotional support exactly. and it's an emotional sport. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, you know, I spent my fair amount of time in the penalty box. And uh, if I could do that over again, yeah. Okay. Keep it a little more cool. Keep the team team in your focus a little more, you know. That's perfect. Hey, I played physical so as a defenseman. So if you're, if you're a D and you play physical, you are going to sit every once in a while. There's no doubt about that. Right. So You're going to push the boundaries, and every once in a while, right or wrong, to. you're going to sit in the box. Yeah, especially no check when you can't run into somebody. Yeah. Right? When you do, so. Right. Yeah. That's a learning curve. Yeah. Okay. Um, you are, and I'm, I'm going to hit you up on this right now. You were telling me something before we before we went on the air that's got me pretty excited. And we're going to I'm, I'm going to work this out to get your buddy on. Yeah. And you're you guys are making progress in ways of tracking coaches. If you've seen some crazy coaches come through the system that maybe shouldn't be coaching. Oh, absolutely. And we talked, I mean, yeah. this is a volunteer job. Yep. You're going to coach kids, and it has been, now we're looking back hundreds of years of hockey, and we're saying, man, that guy, now that we know what we know about that guy, he should have never been in charge of children. Yep. And we have we have background checks, but some organizations will even allow, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how it's happened, but some yep. organizations will be like, yeah, that guy got flagged on a background check, but somehow he still coached for right. years. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> You put you as a volunteer, you open yourself up for a ton of liability, mm-hmm. and as a volunteer coach, you you accept all that. As a parent, you open your kid up to a lot of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So, tell me two like a, just a little tidbit of this new program that that's coming out. That and tell me about who started it. Yeah, so you know, background checks only get you so far. And for me as an administrator, the background check is important, but that's not gonna that's not gonna discover what I feel are the real problems, the character of that human being that you're asking to coach for your program. You know, he may, maybe he had a criminal background. Um, most of the time they don't, 
Right. It's more the other stuff that I'm worried about, the abuse, uh, how they treat the players, how they treat officials, their attitude towards winning and losing. So when I tell people my dif- most difficult decisions every year is who I select as my lightning coaches. I have to spend as much time on that as I can. And at the end of the day, I hope I get it right. And most of the times I have. Every once in a while, you do get a bad apple and you have to, you have to let them go if you, you know, yeah. at some point. So anyway, the new, the new program is called it's, – it's a, it's a web platform called greatcoach.com. It's being started by a local hockey coach and good friend of mine named Bill Kerrig. Um, it's difficult to describe what the platform is, but it's, it's essentially a way to deal with uh, a trend in youth sports that's tending to take over, which is lawyers and insurance. Yeah. You know, this whole safe sport, abuse, um, liability stuff is really creeping into these national governing bodies and is dictating a lot of decisions that are being made. Um, and I think it's a good thing. It's making it more difficult for hockey organizations and volunteers to want to be part of it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's it's a good thing. We need to get rid of those coaches that are abusive to kids. Absolutely. We've got to get rid of them. So Absolutely. anyway, Bill's website is a platform to help mediate that and filter that. And he's got a lot of great things coming down the pike. And I think it could be a game changer for youth sports. All right. We're going to yeah. get him on the show then. We need him on the show. I've- the yeah. next few weeks, and, and for for the podcast listeners, the next yeah. few weeks are pretty pretty intense for the show. But I want to get I want to get Bill in. Yeah. But I mean, I've got we've got uh, our next few guests. We've got Aaron Dell from the San Jose Sharks, former Utah Grizzly. Uh, we've got Brad May. Uh, yeah. Brad's going to do a Skype interview with us, and he's going to talk to us about. Um, he spent some time in Utah. He owns property in Utah. Yeah. And that's going to be pretty awesome. And uh, we're just going to keep covering more stuff about Utah hockey, and we're going to talk more about um, – we're going to follow, and we're going to go out and do some of the stuff from the Lady Grizzlies. Oh, great. And we're, and we're going to also have a couple – we have a few more female guests yeah. that I'm sure are former players of yours, oh, including – got to reach out to Sarah. I haven't had Sarah on here, which is weird. I've known her yep. the, the longest out of all the – because I, I coached her brother. Yeah, Sarah's in town right now. She helped me with a Lady Ducks camp a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I think that. she goes back fairly soon. So yeah, I got to reach out to her. I got to get more. So the show's picking up is what I'm saying. Yeah. We've, we've been, uh, it's summer and we've been a little bit slow. We've been doing one podcast a week, but we're going to we're gonna up that and get some Sweet. more of these awesome guests. I can't wait yeah. to talk to Bill and find this out yeah. because there's always been that thing about you, you can't say, like, all right, this guy, like, if you could pull up a coach and say, all right, he coached in this organization, then he was in this organization, mm-hmm. and those organizations give him an A. Yeah, right. Or these organizations give him a C. Well, why? Was he not good with tactics, or was he not good with kids, or was he not good with parents, or was he not good with the refs? Or, but what part of that are you putting yourself out there for maybe, you know, slander or libel or something? Exactly. So there's got to be a balance. So I want to talk yep. to Bill about yep. that. that's what he's trying to filter out. We've got to find a way to protect the kids. Yep. But again, uh, thank you for everything you've done for hockey, and thank you for still being so forward-thinking with everything you do and, yeah. and trying to just keep hockey awesome here. Yeah. Uh, I know you have more cool stories, and uh, you know as we keep going, we'll, we'll think of more stories and yeah. we'll bring you back in. Maybe another time. So, hey, yeah, and thanks for having me on the show. I, I will say that uh, I'm very blessed to be able to make a living off a sport that I love. Um, I generally look forward to going to work every day, and I keep that in the back of my mind that I'm very privileged to be in the position that I am. And so yeah. hopefully that, that permeates to the public, and they can see that I love what I do, and I care about the kids, and I care about what's going on, and I really do want to make it better for everybody. 
It's very refreshing yes, to can, hear. So. Very refreshing to hear. You're not yeah. just doing a job. You're doing something you love. <laughs> right? It doesn't feel uh, like a job sometimes. And that's, that's so awesome. That's important. My I wife wish... will tell you something different. But... Uh, comp- yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I bring it home. But... A, lot of, a lot of sacrifice <laughs> right? on that part for sure. Oh, yeah. Know? All right. Uh, uh, so that's it for today. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, this maybe is your first time listening, uh, just hit the subscribe button. You can go to all the places you get podcasts. That's uh, iTunes or Google Play. You can also, of course, find us on kslsports.com under podcasts, and uh, or you could just text the word puck to 57500. And uh, for Shannon, thanks again for being in. Yeah, thanks. It was great. Appreciate I'm Jay it. Stevens, and yeah. that was the Utah Puck Report. Okay.